Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. We are recording in the midst of the great resignation and everyone reflecting on their lives during after the aftermath of COVID and one conversation that keeps coming up over and over and over and over and over and over and over over is toxic workplaces and burnout and what's healthy, what's a fair expectation. Is my boss supposed to say that to me? (laughs) And, And these types of conversations. And so we have experts guest and my actual neighbor, um, Amanda Painter, not like right next door, but we actually live very close to each other. And Amanda Painter, and she focuses with small businesses. Um, She has a business partner who focuses on the marketing, but she helps people in the HR space, right? And we are so excited to have her opinion on toxic workplaces. Hello, Amanda. How are you? Sarah, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Uh, how do you describe a toxic workplace? That's a that's a big question. Um, but I think it's you can have it can be a variety of it, and a lot of times, you know, burnout is a portion of it. But really, it's about relationships. And I think when we come to toxicity, it can be at work or other places. So it comes to healthy relationships, and a lot of the big component of that is communication. And is it healthy communication? Is it clear communication? Are we setting boundaries with our communication? Um, Or are we communicating? Because even, you know, not communicating is also a way of communicating. It's actually one of the most powerful ways to control. You know, I think the the silent treatment, you know, that type of thing um, can be very controlling. Um, if, you know, if there's no reason behind it other than to manipulate and, and, and that type of thing. So, um, yeah. So if someone is in a toxic work environment, what are some feelings if they're, if they're going, maybe I think about going home exhausted and just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this again. Or some other feelings that may come up in a toxic workplace. Oh, a lot of it can be frustration that they aren't being set up best to perform where they know they can. And that can be from not being listened to, not being heard. Um, A lot of it's not being valued for their input, whether it's their verbal input or their work product, whatever it may be, that they just, they feel invisible to an extent or somebody else takes credit for what they do. And frustration is really a big um, component in how those feelings are from the exhaustion, definitely, because all of that is draining, but frustration that, I mean, most people go to work and they want to perform well, and they also want to be recognized for performing well and for the efforts that they've put in. Um, it can be incredibly frustrating to not feel that at the end of the day or at the end of the week, or when it comes time for a job review or whatever it may be, and to not get that validation, very frustrating. And one of the things I always talk about when it comes to toxic person encounters is a pattern of behavior, right? Because our bosses are imperfect. We're imperfect. Like everybody's imperfect, right? And so it can be really confusing. Like, okay, at what point does it become a problem 
or I'm just having too high of expectations or standards, or I'm too sensitive. I'm, I'm, I'm echoing a word that I hear a lot of uh, our listeners use. Maybe I'm just too sensitive, maybe, you know, and I tell people to really look at that pattern. Like, in your situation, maybe even keeping a calendar. Okay, no, I wasn't recognized. And then I wasn't recognized again. And then someone else took credit for my work. And then my boss yelled at me that day. And then, and really try to get that data out of your head, that circling of questions into some real like, okay, this is actually happening. Well, and I think that what you said there with the data and actually capturing it, often when we think about this, we think about the intangible because it's feelings and you know, that's not something you can see necessarily, but it's based on action or inaction. And that all has data that goes with it. So absolutely, it's the journaling, calendaring. Um, Something that I've dealt with with previous companies and also with consulting is when sometimes you've got people who could be dramatic or too sensitive and they make general blanket statements. But when you dig in and say, well, give me a specific, let's get to the root. And I can't do that with a generalization of why well, I'm having to do their job for them or that type of thing. So when you can get that data, you know, make a list. This happened on this day. This happened for the fourth time this month. This, And once you have that, one, you validate yourself. I'm not being too sensitive. There is a pattern of behavior here. But also you might have what you need to go and talk to somebody to really like, this is what I'm seeing, whether it's to that person or someone else in the company, a common ground, someone in HR or a different supervisor that you feel like you've got an open relationship with that you can chat with. This is what I've seen. How can we correct this or move forward with it? I love that you said blanket statements. I know one of the blanket statements I warn people against is, hey, my boss is a narcissist or my ex is a narcissist. And Maybe it's true. I, I I am certainly not saying it's not true. I'm saying it's not usually well received. Yep. Right? Absolutely. I think that's a word that is thrown around a lot. And at times it is absolutely accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not a psychologist that's diagnosing people. I, I know what the typical traits are, but there's also different forms of narcissism. So let's let's actually talk about what their behavior is. What is the action or communication so that you can be specific? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some advice that I typically get, I'm curious to your thoughts on it is it's, if you can't call someone a narcissist, you might say they have a pattern of high conflict behavior or a pattern of blame shifting or a pattern of not taking ownership for their mm-hmm. part in things or a pattern of giving me work. So last minute, it sets me up to fail or a pattern of, is this, is this the language you would advise? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's it's talk about the tangibles um, as opposed to a label and Mm -hmm. because a label doesn't, because that's sometimes, unfortunately, people will think you're being overdramatic if you give a label Um, and whether that's correct or not, it just depends on the situation, but it's, this is the pattern and it's not our place to diagnose and put a label on it. It is deal with the behavior um, and whether that relationship is a boss or a coworker. This is what's happening. This is what's not healthy in the workplace. It's not setting me up for success. It's causing turmoil amongst the entire team. Um, For companies we work a lot with, what are your core values? And sometimes that seems a little fluffy and just like something that looks nice on a wall. But if you truly embody them, 
then when you have this type of behavior with someone, you can go back to your core values and say, when you did X, Y, and Z, do you feel like that was embodying this core value? And it's usually a pretty simple yes or no. So once you really get back to that basis of what do you want in your work environment? So we deal with more of the leaders on how to establish this in their company so that they can manage well when they do have that person who might have those poor behaviors and say, you're not meeting our core values. This is what we expect so that we have a cohesive team that enjoys coming to work and has a happy and healthy culture. And it's really because I know we can get stuck in our emotional state. And especially if we have put up with bad behavior or managed a grumpy team or, you know, whatever side you're on, you're like, oh, they're always calling out for work. They're always saying they can't do this. They're always coming up with an excuse. They're always yelling. They're all, you know, whatever it is. And really thinking about, I could see people kind of like, oh, but it's not fair, right? I should be able to, you know, and the way I kind of explain it is we talked to Amanda about having kids and, you know, the way you and I would communicate with each other would not be the same way we would communicate with someone in elementary school. Right. That would not be it's not us not being authentic. It's not us not being our true selves. We are being our true selves, but you don't communicate with a second grader in the same way you would with a 70 year old in the same way you would with a 42 year old. Like. But it's just good communication. Right. So a lot of what we're talking about is just communicating to appropriate people in the way they can most easily. Yes. Digest uh, information. Yeah. A lot of it is about you know, when we're communicating, it's not about just saying what you want to say. You've got to think about how it's going to be received and how is it going to be best received. And something we talk about more so with just not just communication, but other when you're sending emails, sending messages with, you know, whatever your platform is, you know, putting things where they're easily received and easily retrievable. And the same goes just with your verbal communication to use a language they understand Um, you know, in some companies, like I could get real technical and start talking about certain verbiage that's HR focused. Someone who's not in the HR realm doesn't understand that. So if I'm talking just with verbiage, they don't know that immediately puts up a wall that it's not going to be healthy communication. And I'm not setting them up to even receive what I'm saying. Well, so we've got to know who our audience is. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And I have a favor to ask you. If you have loved what you're hearing on the Toxic Person Proof podcast or love my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof, I am asking you to hit subscribe and write a review. You don't even have to use your real name in a review, but it really helps people to know this is information they can trust. This is information that will change their lives, not just more details on narcissism, but details on how to move forward, details on how to take back who you are and know who you are. And I need your help in that. I need your help in spreading the message um, and letting people know this is information they can trust. So be sure and leave a review. Thank you so much. I know so many people want to help others. And they say, gosh, I just want to help 
spread the message and, and help others understand what they've been going through. And one of the ways, the easiest ways, it takes like two minutes, um, is leaving a review on the podcast, sharing the podcast, um, or leaving a review on the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Thank you so much for your help as we work together to help the world become toxic person proof. And so the more getting into the nitty gritty, the more getting into this is what actually happened at this day, that is good communication. Absolutely. And, you know, earlier when you were saying always this, always this, um, it's funny, my business partner and I were just having that conversation yesterday and she was talking about those always and never, and it's always this or it's never this. And she was giving an example of when she was consulting with someone about it. And it's, is it really always or never? Probably not. So let's talk about, it was eight out of 10 times that it was this. So it's not always. So when you throw around always and never, it also makes people think that maybe you're being dramatic or you're not, you know, you're inflating what it is, get real specific. And even though it's about emotion, you want to take that big emotion out of it. Instead is, you know, when Bill talked over me at the meeting on Tuesday and Friday and the next week and the next week, while there is an emotion there and you can say it frustrates me, but it's also it doesn't allow me to contribute to the team. It doesn't allow me to do my job well. And what what is it stopping you from doing that you would rather be doing and that you, your company should want you to do at work, right? They want you to perform well because if we all perform well, the company will be more successful. And I just want to, I liked what you said so much. I'm just going to give it back to you again, sure. just to kind of reiterate if that's okay. So rather than saying, Bill is always talking over me at work. Okay, which can be really hard when Bill has been talking over you and you're really upset about it, right? So, but that's not, we want to give people information they can digest. So Bill is always talking over me at work already sets you up to be unbelievable. To an extent, yeah. So I think the, the real tangible is when you're speaking to a superior and you want to tell them, how does it affect them? How does it affect the bottom line of the company or the production of the team or whatever it may be? And when you go with a statement of, I am unable to contribute my best to this team. I'm unable to, you know, whatever it may be, because Bill has interrupted me on multiple occasions. And here's a list, you know, if you feel like you've got to support it, if somebody's like, well, I was in that meeting and I didn't hear it, you know, well, maybe they're not listening for it because some people don't always pick up on that. And others of us do. Uh, But when you talk about how it affects the company, while you're having to dig a little deeper and push a little further, that is going to help your message get across to the audience that you want it. You want it to mean something to them. And while you hope that you have a superior who cares about your emotional well-being, they may be a little bit more in tune when they realize that it's affecting the company bottom line or success. Well, they, the idea of, I hate to say the idea of caring about your employees is a pretty new concept in many ways. Yeah, it to an extent. Absolutely. Yeah. But are you know, business training, leadership training, there was they they are already trained to be accountable for how their company is performing. Right. And so if we can tap into that, it's 
going to be easier to, and we have people who are, who are the, you know, the leaders and the managers, you know, and so even, you know, just saying some of all this out loud and maybe even, you know, if you're the leader and the manager and there's someone, Bill is always talking over me at work, giving them that direction, that, that quick flip. Okay. If that's happening, I, I do care about it. I may need some more data mm-hmm. on the situation. So if you could take some time and really think about clarifying some of those particular examples, and then also giving me some feedback on how it's preventing you from performing as your best self, that, that gives that person, they, they feel heard, they feel cared for. You didn't say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. That sounds yeah. tough, right? <laughs> you gave them a plan and then yeah. provided yourself with more data. Yeah. Because, you know, the, I'm sorry you feel that way. And yeah. You know, oh, I'll, I'll say something to them. You know, is it going to be productive? You don't know. And, but you're right. Our, Leaders and managers are most likely in their position because of how they're helping the company succeed. They have proven themselves with experience, whatever it may be. Emotional leadership is somewhat of a new concept. Now, there have been leaders forever that have done it well, and then there's been leaders that haven't. And now with the change of what the workplace like looks like and you can start your own business on a whim these days as opposed to having to work for a leader who doesn't care leaders are starting to pay attention and they realize they've got to actually pay attention to this or they're going to lose their high producing people and be stuck with the ones that may have toxic behaviors mm-hmm. and leaders you know i talk about my new book problem solved that good leaders are good listeners and great leaders help other people become great problem solvers um because if we make 35,000 decisions a day and we haven't had any classes or courses on making decisions right you know as leaders there may be people who really don't know what to say other than bill is always talking over me right but they may be a very loyal employee who's mm-hmm. just finally reached the end of their rope so we want to support those people <laughs> and say, Hey, okay. Uh, you know, we, and that's why I, I, I talk to a lot of leaders and they say, well, I'm just trying to be a good listener. And I just want to vomit. Cause I'm like, okay, that's just like, Hey, I don't want to beat my kids. Hey, I should probably feed my children food. Like yeah, listening. Okay. <laughs> listening I, I was actually writing a blog piece on this recently, uh, as far as feedback. And uh-huh. obviously you want to give your team feedback, but you've got to know how to hear their feedback too. But that doesn't mean just sitting in a meeting individually with them and letting them just rant and rave about things that they don't like, because that's not productive for anybody. It's not healthy for the work environment either. Yes, you want them to be heard and maybe get stuff off their chest, but there's no forward action after it. So what's the forward action after you've heard that? And it's got to be productive. You know, you've got to be structured in how you receive that feedback. So you know what you're looking for, you know, okay, I hear your frustration about Bill talking over you. Tell me how it affects your work. And then also let's work together on what we think a good resolution will be to this. You know, maybe that's the manager sits in some of these meetings and observes it without even saying anything, just observes to see what's happening on their own. Or they sit in these meetings and when Bill pipes up, the manager hushes Bill. <laughs> and once the manager has repetitively done that for a while, maybe Bill will get the picture. Uh, but it's about when you hear that feedback, 
How can you be productive with it? Because yes, you want to listen. You don't know anything about what's going on if you don't listen. But what do you do with that information? And what's the next step? Problem solvers, training problem solvers. Amanda, this has been so good. Okay, so tell people where they can find, we, I know we've just scratched the surface on what you're able to do for people. So um, tell people where they can find out more about you and your work. Yes, so thejoypursuit.com is our business page and we're on all social medias and um, we have a four book series for small business focused on HR topics that take you through hiring, onboarding, retention, and exit. The retention process very much talks about a lot of what we talked about today with how do you handle some of these behaviors and how do you create a culture of worth? Um, and all those, you can get them through our website or through Amazon. I love the joy of pursuit, right? The joy of pursuit. I wanted to say it three times so people hear it. Joy of pursuit. Joy of pursuit. It's like a little bird tweeting. Joy of pursuit. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> this has been lovely. And thank you so much. I know, you know, when we spend as many hours as we do working to be miserable in your workplace or to want to help people in your workplace and not know how to, you know, can be really degrading and damaging and frustrating and, you know, all those, all those hard feelings. So thanks for bringing a little bit of joy and helping us become toxic person proof. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.